WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Uh, well, I thought we were having a guest this morning, but I don't know where she is. I, I was kind of all excited to talk with uh, her name is Riley, and she runs a uh, uh, a little business called Riley's Rebuild, and she's 17 years old, I think, and um, she rebuilds carburetors. Her and like three of her girlfriends rebuild carburetors, and she's become uh, she's become quite the celebrity. She's been on uh, TV shows, been interviewed by a whole bunch of people, and I believe she was also invited out to the SEMA show out in Las Vegas. Uh, where she uh, where where she was able to do some fun stuff. Uh, I think she rebuilt the carburetor out there. Uh, she's been working with Endelbrock, the carburetor manifold company, and doing some work with them. I I think uh, they sponsored her out there. So, uh, but unfortunately, I don't know where she is. I thought she was supposed to call in at eleven today, but uh, we have uh, put a call into her and sent her a message to find out where she is. So. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to hear from her. Uh, so, I think we'll start with uh, maybe a little, maybe a little car review, and the car review is uh, a pretty interesting one. It's the 2023 Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Uh, the Mitsubishi Outlander is a compact uh, SUV. It's three rows. Um, it's all new. Uh, it comes in about eight trim levels, front or all-wheel drive. And the subject of our road test, again, is a plug-in hybrid. So there is regular gasoline cars, hybrid cars, and then plug-in hybrids, which means it has a bigger battery pack and will operate on full electric without the gasoline engine uh, for a certain period of time. In this particular vehicle, uh, and our vehicle had the 2.4-liter uh, four-cylinder engine and with two electric motors it bumps the horsepower up to about 248 horsepower the battery allows up to about 38 miles of all-electric range uh, so 38 miles of range might be enough to handle most day-to-day driving uh, without going to a gas station a charging cable is provided and can charge the battery overnight on 120 volts takes really overnight to do it if it's down to zero though level two charging can be replenished to battery in about six hours and our vehicle also had level three capable charging um, and according to Mitsubishi's website you can recharge the battery in about 30 minutes but it uses an older style uh, charging cable called Chatamo which is different than the combined charging cable that that many uh, many vehicles use today. Chatamo is very popular in Japan and parts of Europe, but not very popular here. So finding a a level three Chatamo compatible connector is a little bit harder to do, um, and it also charges just a little bit slower. Now it's it is a plug-in hybrid, so, you know, it sounds pretty fast at 30 minutes, but you're not really charging a very big battery at 30 minutes. And something I've never seen before, you can actually use the gasoline engine to charge the battery, which doesn't sound particularly efficient, but it's something you can do. You can let the engine sit there and idle for about 90 minutes, and you'll get about an 80% battery charge. I did that 
I think I did it for about 30 minutes. I just wanted to see how it worked, and it gave me about 15 miles of range, I think. So it actually did a little bit better time-wise than I thought it would. But it seems kind of silly to run the gasoline engine as a generator to charge a battery when, you know, I don't know how fuel inefficient that is but it is kind of a it is kind of a novel novel thing i've never seen it quite well overall the powertrain performs quite well with both the uh in pure electric and hybrid mode once the battery is depleted fuel economy is just about average maybe even a little below average about 26 miles per gallon uh as an example the hyundai that i drive my regular car does a little bit better than that um and this is a hybrid still, so you would expect a little bit more. Uh, during my road test, I averaged about 24 miles per gallon and was in EV mode about 34% of the time, according to the trip computer. The transmission's a CVT style. Um, it actually performed really well. I, I was happy with the way it worked. It has... Uh, Several modes for gravel and mud and snow and an eco mode and a performance mode. Safety is addressed with what is really a standard suite of features as well as a few newer features. Our Outlander came with forward collision mitigation, pedestrian detection, rear cross-traffic alert, uh, driver and passenger knee airbags, which you don't see very often, uh, adaptive cruise control, rear automatic braking, Trailer stability assist and lane keeping and lane departure prevention. The overall ride and handling are better than most smaller SUVs. The handling is fairly precise. The ride soaks up all but the worst bumps and potholes. Uh, the interior of our um, SEL trim was really done quite nicely. Uh, quilted leather front seats are comfortable and supportive. The Outlander uses three-zone climate control, so driver, passenger, and second-row passenger can all adjust their temperatures wherever they want. The uh, rear seat's comfortable for adults. And uh, the outer seating positions are actually heated, so the uh, people in the in the rear seat, as long as they sit in the outer positions, uh, can get heated seats. The third row, I don't know who sits back there. Kids only, maybe. Uh, it's really tight back there. I folded the seat up once just to look at it. Said, I'm not even going to try to get in there. It's tiny. Uh, fold the seat down. It's pretty good. Storage is limited to a decent sized center console, glove compartment that doesn't fit much more than the owner's manual. There are plenty of 12 volt PowerPoint, USB ports, two 120 volt outlets, so you can run like regular plug in stuff to a certain extent. Um, further upgraded on our premium package included an allowed, a large power sunroof, heated steering wheel, uh, 10 point eight inch head up display uh, driver massage functions upgraded leather and synthetic leather accents synthetic leather hmm cargo space is eleven point seven cubic feet with the third row in use uh, thirty three cubic feet with the third row folded which isn't really a lot but it bumps up to about eighty cubic feet with the second and third row folded which is really good so um you can tell that all the storage or all the leg room is really in the in the second row uh, because once you fold that seat, you get a lot of room. The Mitsubishi Outlander is a competent SUV with a combination of sporty and luxurious traits. The plug-in hybrid offers limited electric vehicle operation with no fears of range anxiety. So if you're considering it, the one little bit of caution might be 
the limited Mitsubishi dealer network. How many Mitsubishi dealers do you see? Um, there's one where I live, um, right on the Dennis Yarmouth line, uh, but there's not a lot of Mitsubishi dealers around. So uh, a good, good vehicle. Uh, but keep in mind that, you know, you may have, you know, you, you might not want to drive 500 miles to go find the vehicle and then come back and find out that when it needs warranty repairs, you're driving back to a dealer quite a ways away. So word of caution about that, but that's about it. So, Jesse, no word from Riley, huh? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. Um, maybe, maybe when we take a, maybe when we take a break, I'll, uh. I'll uh, send her an email and see if she responds back, find out where she is. But um, I was kind of all excited to talk to her, too, because how often do you hear of a, you know, 17-year-old kid that is running their own business uh, and doing something completely different like rebuilding carburetors? I thought it was kind of be kind of a fun interview. So um, if you want to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And I thought I'd talk about some of the... S- some of the things that came in the email this week. Um, somebody has a 2002 Honda CRV, and they have a problem with the rainwater leaking onto the floor on the front uh, door on the driver's side and the right side cargo area. Sometimes the cargo area gets drenched and the front door seems to get spared. On other occasions, it's the other way around. Sometimes both are wet. Sometimes neither are wet. How do I determine the cause and how can it be fixed? I most likely uh, will not be doing the repair myself. What type of auto shop would be best for this type of problem? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Here's the thing about cars. In wet weather, there's literally water flowing all over the car. There are drains for the sunroof, which if this CRV has a sunroof, that would be the first place I would start to look uh, because the drains get clogged up, especially living here in New England with, uh, you know, leaves and leaves that start to decompose. They get clogged up in the in the drains and the water doesn't come out of the sunroof drain because where the sunroof seals around the rubber edge of the sunroof isn't actually a perfectly good seal because they know that there's going to be some seepage in there. So up inside the track mechanism, you can usually find a couple little holes, and those are drains, and the drains usually exit out by the front door fender area. So that would be the first place I would look. Um, The other thing is the door panels themselves. Uh, If you've had any work done to the door, when you take a door panel off, there's kind of a plastic sheeting that sort of covers everything. And that is put there to, um, if the door fills with water, um, it doesn't leak through the inside of the car. Also Also, the doors themselves have drain holes in them. So when the water does get between that plastic sheeting and the outer skin of the door, it has some place to go. So it drains out through there. Also, you know, this is a uh, an older CRV now, so it's 21 years old. Can that be? Yeah, 21 years old. So, you know, could it be something like a seal on the windshield that started to fail? 
maybe. And sometimes what happens is, depending on how the car is parked, if there's stress on one corner of the car or the other, it can cause that leak to open up. Same thing back in 2002 when they were building these cars. They actually had an issue where the car was seamed together right at the firewall, right at the bulkhead. And some of those seams, uh, they had to redo them. So they just took some goopy stuff and smeared it around the inside of it, and that stopped the leak. But that, like, like regular caulking that you would use at your house, over time that can fail, and that might be where some of the leaks are coming from. So, you know, so those are some of the areas that things could leak. Um, I would talk to a local repair shop dealer or maybe even a body shop to see if they use a specialist that finds water leaks if it isn't something obvious like one of the drains is clogged or something like that a regular independent shop might be able to do that but many times just like paintless dent removal companies a lot of times they have these uh, companies that do paintless dent removal and they go from dealer to dealer to dealer to dealer sometimes they have um, people that um, are mobile that go to various shops to uh, find wind and water leaks. So um, there used to be there used to be somebody, and I used to run into him all the time up around the Braintree area, called the Leaker Seeker, and that's what he did. He, he went around and checked for water leaks on on cars that were you know going to be used cars at dealerships or whatever the case is. So. Um, this sounds like a pretty simple question. Somebody has a 2006 Mustang, and it has water stains on its fabric front seat, and they want to know how to get rid of them. Well, I think I would try a um, dedicated um, upholstery cleaner first. Um, Meguiar's, I've had really good luck with Meguiar's products. They make a carpet and upholstery cleaner that works pretty well. Uh, there's also a fairly inexpensive foamy spray stuff. I think it's called Tough Stuff. It works pretty good getting out stains. Uh, you could always rent a upholstery cleaner, one of those extractor machines. Uh, you could try going over all the interior with that. That way you don't have any odd spots that might look different um, where you cleaned and where you didn't. Um, on the DIY side, you could try a little bit of dish detergent, so like Dawn dish detergent. Mix it up and just use the just use the soap suds. So don't use the um, don't use so much of the liquid, but just try to use the soap suds. So mix it up in a bowl, whip it up so it's just all foamy, and try to use the try to use the foam and uh, put that on wherever the stain is. Let it sit for a little bit. Take a take a good sponge and kind of go over it. Maybe even a soft brush. You could try that, and then uh, use a microfiber cloth afterwards to to dry it out. Uh, also, um, when I I asked my wife about this, I said, "What would you use?" And she said, "Well, I'd try about you know a little bit of vinegar and water and try that." She said, "That seems to be pretty good." Um, also, um, shaving cream, uh, regular like. You know, the cheap can of shaving cream, it, uh, Sopian has alcohol in it and sometimes will take out stains. That works really good to take out things like pen stains and things like that, so you could give that a try. I would try it in an inconspicuous spot first just to make sure it doesn't do anything weird. And then, of course, you can always go to a good detail shop where they could clean the entire interior, maybe even the whole car. So, you know, that might be uh, that might be an option as well. Um Somebody also had a problem with a Volkswagen with a bad t or a, a, another water leak. And I don't know why we're hearing about water leaks so much lately, but uh, they have a 2010 Volkswagen. Uh, and they said two things. They've had water in the car once or twice. 
and they don't know where it's coming from. And they wanted to know if I had any suggestions for that. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, uh, and they also said the top isn't going down the way it should, uh, which uh, convertible tops are their own kind of funny thing. Uh, maybe a convertible top shop, which is harder and harder to find a good convertible top shop. I had to have the uh, convertible top replaced on my wife's Volkswagen. It was just under warranty by like two weeks. And... I brought it to the Volkswagen dealer, who in turn sent it out to a convertible place probably 20 miles away, and it was a little one-bay shop. The guy had the car for like three weeks. Uh, was not a terrific experience, by the way. Um, but on the end of the day, he did you know, put it all together the way it was supposed to go together, and it seems to be working okay. But uh, you might try, you know, look for a convertible top shop somewhere in your area. There are still a few around, but there isn't as many convertibles anymore. Most of them are working on older antique cars. So um, something to look at. Kind of a, kind of a funny, I, I found this hard to answer. Um, this person wrote in and said, I've noticed it all seemingly, that seemingly all quality independent auto shops are closed on Saturdays, but the chain stores with spotty reviews and inexperienced young mechanics are open. I just wanted to share my frustration with you. Like many people, I work Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, and hate to lie or explain to the boss that I need to take time off to have my car serviced properly. What a shame. Just wanted to share my frustration. <sighs> yeah. Um, you know, it's... I've noticed this as well, and it seems to be a combination of, uh, I think, age and shop holders are older. I think they're getting tired, and they want a few days off too. And if their business is successful, they probably don't need to be there on Saturdays. They're probably doing just fine working Monday through Friday. Um, working as a technician is physically and mentally tiring. Um, you know, so the other thing is it's um, it's hard to find good help. And offering a five-day work week along with good pay and benefits uh, helps attract good help. So, uh, for you know, for 15 years I worked as a mechanic Monday through Friday and Saturdays till 1 o'clock. Um, I was always used to working on Saturdays. It was just something we always did. Um, then I went to AAA and ran the AAA Diagnostic Center. And we were open... I want to say at the beginning, we were open Monday to Friday. And then uh, it was a suggestion I made before I even went to work there. I said, you know, if you're going to work five days, why not work Tuesday to Saturday for people that work Monday to Friday? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, for the, you know, Tuesday to Saturday is good. You know, Saturdays being open is good for people that, you know, work Monday to Friday. But also many shops have, um, you know, courtesy shuttles. Uh, some are offering Uber and Lyft services. They'll they'll reimburse you or or pay a portion of uh, Uber or Lyft ride, which might help. Uh, many shops have after-hours drop-off boxes with locked key boxes, so you can drop the keys in a lock box with a note and what you want to do to the car. That way, maybe you can either Uber or Lyft to work or, you know, have somebody pick you up or whatever the case. It might make it a little bit easier to do Um just something to look at, but yeah, I mean, the folks that work in repair shops, they're getting tired too, and they want two days off, so I can't say that I blame them. Just recently, I had to have some tire work done, and I went to the local shop that I usually go to, and they were closed. They're closed on, the, they're closed on Saturdays. I ended up uh, going to a bunch of different places, trying to find some place that wasn't really busy. I ended up at the local Walmart that happened to have a tire center, and uh, they... 
I walked in and they I, and I, I I waited in line first thing in the morning. They were pretty busy before the door even opened, and uh, they said to me, oh, "We're not even going to be able to get to this till nine, and I was there at seven. Um, they called me a quarter of nine and said the car was all set, and I had walked home by then. And uh, they said, which I wanted to do anyway, um, which they said their 8 o'clock appointment had canceled or their 7 o'clock appointment had canceled. So they were all they were kind of all caught up. Uh, but they had the same problem. They, they're open seven days a week. And I've been to this Walmart a couple of times in their service department, and they seem to rotate through a fair amount of help. And they run some weird shifts because they're 7 to 7, uh, six days a week, and I think 7 to 5 on Sundays maybe. Uh, so you burn out hell pretty quick when you work like that. So why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. Give us a call. We'll talk with you about your car and your car problems. Well, if you ever plan to motor- Most painters you hire only do paint. Covering over rot and disrepair can lead to even greater costs down the road. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting, and we never cover up the rot. From Cape Cod to Quincy, we are a one-stop shop that brings carpentry to over 35 years of paint expertise. From your initial call to your final cleanup, our team assures a job done right. That means identifying, repairing, and replacing any damaged surfaces. Our carpenters replace trim, siding, and decking every day, providing a quality service that our valued customers deserve. So let our team of professional carpenters and painters bring you a peace of mind, knowing your project wasn't just covered up, but it was done right. To schedule your free estimate, call either of our Hyannis or Hingham offices, or to get a virtual quote, go to stuartpaint.com. And remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. Most painters you hire only do paint. Covering over rot and disrepair can lead to even greater costs down the road. You make it big in motorsports, but the real reward for most is the thrill of the adrenaline and the chance to hold the checkered flag. I'm Miles Heger. The excitement and danger of motor racing are the reasons drivers love to race and why fans show up. Join me and my guests each week as we discuss the local short tracks while also sharing opinions and insight on NASCAR's National Series. Tune in to Miles on Motorsports Tuesday nights at 7 here on 95.9 WATD. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. 
And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. If you want to join us, phone lines are open. We can chat with you about your car, your car problems, uh, whatever's on your mind. We can try to talk with you about that as well. As, along with, uh, you know, some of the things that are in the news, we can talk about those too. Um, you know, some of the... Uh, some of the uh, uh, stories are are always interesting in the news. They they you know now they tend to focus so much around electric vehicles, um, but also you know autonomous vehicles were kind of a were kind of in the news really a lot the last few years. But um, I don't know robo taxis. I mean, there's an article in Automotive News that talks about robo taxis. It said you know some of the uh, uh, enormous technological hurdles are ahead. Uh, self-driving vehicles with no humans behind the wheel are carrying some passengers in San Francisco and China. Now comes the hard part. Companies have invested an estimated $160 billion in automated and self-driving technology over the past dozen years, according to Global Management Consultancy. That's what, Jesse, that's what we need to be. We need to be a consultant, consultancy. I can do some consulting, good. sure. Sure. But I just like it, consultancy. I don't know what that, you know, it makes it sound more official. It's very, um, yeah, very, uh, yeah, very elegant sounding. Must be British. It, it, it is, yeah. Uh, yet the uh, viability for these fledging, fledgling robo-taxi industries uh, remains tenuous. Um, those attempting to scale the technology and once promised to upend transportation. I don't know. Jesse, would you get in a robo-taxi? Uh, not at the... Not currently, but in the future, yeah, sure. You know, I I would like to see, you know, self-driving cars, I think, are, I like to drive, but there's times that I don't like to drive. So it is kind of nice when you don't have to drive somewhere. Um, You know, driving in and out of Boston, stuck in traffic, wouldn't it be great to let your car just do all the driving? You could just, like, read, sleep, do something else. That would be, that would be kind of fun, but. Uh, I don't think there's, I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, you know, there was a AAA California actually sponsored a robo taxi out in Las Vegas, and I think the first couple of days it was on the road, it got into a minor crash, and it was all over the news. Robo taxi crashes. Uh, but really, what it was, and the the vehicle had. You know, literally millions of dollars worth of technology in it. Um, but apparently, the one little bit of technology it didn't have was a horn, because a truck actually backed into it. So it didn't. It's not like it hit something. It was something backed into that. And maybe if this robo taxi had a horn, and it beeped the horn, it wouldn't have happened, and it would have been kind of uneventful. But well, you know, those kind of things happen. Um, electric Fords are headed to Norway, it says here. Ford Motor Company said last week it wanted to begin exporting the F-150 Lightning pickup truck to Norway, which it called the world's most advanced electric vehicle market. Ford said the plan was spurred by a ferocious consumer demand in Norway. The EVs accounted for about 80% of new vehicles sales last year in Norway, which aims to have the only zero emission vehicles on sale by 2025. So 
in the United States where we're saying 2035 or so zero emissions vehicles. In Norway, they're saying just in a couple more years, um, they'll be the first outside North America to get the Lightning. Deliveries will begin next year, Ford said. Um, I've had consumers literally banging on my door and pleading for us to bring electric pickups to Norway. According to uh, the managing director of Ford of Norway, uh, he said in a statement, the F-150 Lightning is a perfect match for many customers in Norway, uniquely uh, capable of quenching our thirst for adventure while embracing our passion for protecting the environment. Ford's embrace of Norway's love for ease. Its lightning announcement began with a phase, yes, Norway, uh, which seemingly... um, designed to contrast with General Motors' tongue-in-cheek portrayal of Norway as a enemy in the 2021 Super Bowl commercial. Uh, the ad called No Way Norway featured an actor, Will Farrell declaring his hatred for the country because EVs are more popular there than in the United States. Um, I don't know. It, it's uh, They can't build enough Ford F-150 Lightnings for here. At, at work, we have, I think we have 35 Lightnings on order, and we haven't gotten a one yet, and they've been on order for... I think they since they came out, and we want to use them for light service vehicles. We want to do, um, you know, flat tires changes and jump starts and stuff like that. Also, they can uh, share some of their battery capacity to do some electric vehicle recharging, um, sort of level two ish sort of thing. Um, so they can do they can do that. So that would be handy for those people that have electric vehicles that run out of electricity. And so far, the only ones that we have seen that run out of electricity are people that rent Teslas through Hertz. Um, those numbers are fairly high because people, I think, try to push push the vehicle as far as it can go. And they're not they're not in the routine of looking for a charging station or charging overnight. So um, that has been that has been sort of a an issue with that as well. Our phone number again, if you would like to give us a call. Well, you know what the number is, don't you? Because, you know, I don't always know what it is. But the number, if you want to give us a call, is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And you can, we can talk about uh, whatever's on your mind about cars. Um, but, again, uh, you know, looking through... Um, looking through the various, you know, publications I look at during the week... Um, you know, there's the news is electric, electric, electric. And it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. Uh, for EVs, Kia and Hyundai now turn to plants they already have. The two existing Hyundai and Kia U.S. factories could play a key role in Hyundai Motors Group's strategy to localize electric vehicle production ahead of the 2025 opening of its massive $5.5 million mega plant in Georgia. Six new models for Hyundai, Genesis, and its sibling Kia will come off the come from the EV and battery complex under construction outside of Savannah. Uh, So, again, there. Hyundai is um, expediting rollout of that free software fix. If you own a Hyundai or Kia that starts with a key, um, the, you know, because of TikTok more than anything else, um, there were postings done by the Kia boys that showed that it was relatively easy to steal a Kia. And how they would get stolen is, you know, they would smash the ignition, and there was no anti-theft system built into the car other than the ignition lock. And they made it look kind of uh, like it had something to do with a phone charger, but in fact they were just using the uh, USB end of a phone charger to twist the ignition switch once they smashed the lock off the car. Um, 
simple fix is to make sure you lock the car and, you know, and the car has an alarm. So if somebody actually opens the door, if it's unlocked, um, even if they break a window and open the door, it's going to set the alarm off. Um, but Hyundai has come up with a fix, which uh, it's a software fix, which I don't know how much more it works. The alarm goes off for longer, and supposedly the the ignition switch has to see a key in it, is from what I understand. But Hyundai is accelerating the rollout with a software upgrade for its vehicles not equipped with the engine immobilizers. And it's kind of funny. It's like there's all kinds of lawsuits now about why doesn't Hyundai and Kia have engine immobilizers? And cars never had engine immobilizers. Cars were, you know, you know, go back as far as you want to go. It was pretty easy to steal an older car. You know, take some, I don't know, take something nice and easy like a, a, a Ford uh, especially one that had a point, you know, back when cars had points, uh, you would run, you would run power to the ignition coil, and you would jump the, you would jump the uh, uh, starter relay. Car would crank over and start up, and of course there was no steering wheel lock, so you could drive it pretty easily without having to worry about a steering wheel lock. Uh, Hyundai and Kia in certain areas is handing out like the club thing, the thing, remember those things that you, people used to put on their steering wheels all the time to prevent the car from getting stolen? And those are only as good as the steering wheel. You know, the, the uh, you know, people bypass that by just cutting a slot in the steering wheel and twisting the club off of it. So they're not that great, but I guess it's better than nothing. But um, at the same time, um, AAA in certain areas is stepping up to make sure that um, Hyundai and Kia owners are able to get car insurance because uh, some State Farm and Progressive uh, insurance companies, or I guess State Farm and Progressive, both insurance companies, um, have you know decided to stop writing insurance for some Hyundai and Kia cars without the immobilizers. So. I guess if you have one of those vehicles, they're going to ask for documentation to see if you have the the, the new software update. I'm not quite sure. But AAA will pro- provide support for owners having difficulty securing or sustaining auto insurance as a result of the increased criminal activity targeting Hyundai and Kia vehicles. Auto insur- AAA insurers will issue new and renewed policies. And from what I understand... Um, the one place we won't do it is Massachusetts because we don't own the insurance company in Massachusetts. Uh, in Rhode Island we do, Connecticut we do, but in Massachusetts we don't because we're actually a commerce insurance agent. And commerce, as far as I know, is still insuring cars. So AAA insurers will issue new and renewed policies eligible affected Hyundai customers in all states except Alaska, Massachusetts, and Washington where it does not offer insurance. We do offer insurance. We're just not um, we don't own the insurance company. So, you know, I have my Hyundai insured with Commerce through AAA. So the initial uh, Hyundai upgrade announced in February covered more than a million 2017 to 20 Elantras, 2015 to 2019 Sonatas, 20 to 21 venue vehicles, and the automaker promised availability of remaining eligible vehicles by June. The faster rollout will offer all 3.8 million affected um, 
Hyundai models. So uh, if you own one of those vehicles and you're concerned about it being stolen, I guess what you you know have to remember to keep doing is you know lock the car just like you you know you always used to but uh you need to you need to make sure you do that to keep your car from getting stolen uh somebody actually uh sent me a question about you know can they put a uh kill switch in you know hide a kill switch somewhere and yeah you could find the wiring that connects the ignition switch and you could put a switch in there so on it starts and off it doesn't you could do that you could also find your car may have a power fuse and there's these um fuse taps that uh, it's sort of a fuse with a switch on it so you could switch the fuse on and off that could do the same thing also there's a um kind of a kind of a neat thing i had never seen it before uh you can buy a remote control battery connector so a lot of people with the antique cars and boats and stuff like that have battery disconnect switches. So you can go over, you turn a knob, and it disconnects the battery. Um, there's one, and it's like, I think it's like $30. It's pretty inexpensive. And you can hook it up to the battery, you know, has a key fob. Press the button, it connects the battery. Press the button, it disconnects the battery. The the downside about that is every time you disconnect the battery, the car's going to have to relearn stuff. So it, you may lose your radio station memories. You may even lose some drivability. The car may not run quite the way it did when you started it because it needs to relearn how to idle or it needs to relearn how to perform just right. Um, basically, what you're doing is you're kind of rebooting the car's computer all the time. Any issue in that? Not really, other than, you know, you're going to have to start over again. But if you were parking in a um, in an area where you had a concern more about it being stolen, um, that might be something you want to do. Maybe that is something you want to uh, uh, install to try to make it more theft-proof until you can get the um, till you can get the the fix, the software f- fix performed again. It is from what I understand it. The alarm goes off for a longer period of time. I think right now when you force your way into a Hyundai, it goes off for a half a minute or a minute, and they've doubled the time, so maybe it goes off for a minute or two minutes now, so it makes more noise, which hopefully scares the potential thieves away. Um, I don't think this would have been as big a deal if it wasn't for social media that's uh, kind of caused caused some of the issues, so I don't know. So We have a mic from Hingham on the line. Well, I have, we haven't talked to Mike in a while. Why don't we talk to him? Michael. Hey, good morning, Doctor. How are you today? Good. How are you? What a beautiful day. I'll tell you. Good top-down weather. Sports cars prices just went up ten percent across the board. I, I bet. I bet they did. You know, there. You know, there is. Uh, I always enjoy being in a convertible, and I met a guy years ago, and he he at one time opened owned us owned a used car lot and he just loved convertibles and you know one day i saw him and he was in a older mercedes uh sl and it was raining and he's got the top down so the next day i bumped into him at a restaurant or something i said hey was that you driving that mercedes in the rain last night and he goes oh yeah i just love convertibles and you know a little bit of rain's not going to hurt the interior at all and he said it was fine i he said you know you move and you don't really get too wet and he said there's nothing like a convertible and you know it's 
they are they are fun. So hardcore. Hey, the reason I called was about uh, a few months ago. I called and we talked about hybrid cars and such. And you asked me when I would buy one, and I said 2025. I'm still on that that guideline. But I'll tell you, I think I found what I think is the, the way to go. And you mentioned it earlier today in the show, is that this plug-in hybrid makes awful lot of sense to me. I mean, here's a car that, you know, 40 miles, a lot of these ones I'm looking at, some of the Toyotas get 40 miles on a charge. I mean, I'm not driving, I'm retired, I'm not driving more than 40 miles a day. Even if I go into the VA, is it 40 miles? Uh, and you, know, you can fill it up overnight. Uh, with like you say, one ten, and you get a day. It just makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Plus, you got the backup of a four cylinder. Yeah, it, it it really does. I mean, the um, I've driven a, I've driven, I think half a dozen plug in hybrids. I don't have the ability, and I was even uh, a company even uh, offered to send me a level two charging station. I just don't have any real place to put it either, you know, at the tin shack in Florida or at the cottage now on Cape Cod, my old house, I would have been able to do it a little bit easier, but, um, um, be balancing between these two places. I don't even have a good place to put it. So, but the plug-in hybrid, I plug it in. Yeah. I, you know, I brought it down to zero, plugged it in overnight when I came out, you know, I looked at it in the morning, it was fully charged. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like it's really affected my electric bill, probably anything more than, you know, a hairdryer would or something, something like that. Um, and the idea that you're running on full electricity not using any gas um, for the kind of drive when I used to have to go into the office I commuted over 100 miles round trip every day now that you know the plug-in hybrid would be still okay uh, because we actually had a charging station at work so I could plug in and charge up and you know maybe the last 10 or 15 miles would be on the gas engine but what's nice is if you the kind of driving I do today which is similar to what you do probably is pretty local not that far you're not using gasoline i mean every once in a while some of these cars will actually run on the gasoline engine just to burn up some of the gas in the tank because eventually you know if you're somebody who only drives on electric all the time the gasoline eventually is going to get stale so it will run through a cycle for that to happen every once in a while but for the most part you know you get the benefits of an electric at least for a short term they default to a regular hybrid afterwards so you get what is generally better fuel economy and more power than the standard engine would usually have. So if you went out and bought a, you know, uh, we'll use a a RAV4 because it's an easy example. Standard four-cylinder RAV4, you know, maybe it's 175 horsepower. All of a sudden the hybrid, you know, the hybrid or plug-in, the the plug-in hybrid option, um, all of a sudden now you have a more powerful RAV4 that gets better gas mileage and has better performance. So for a lot of people, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're seeing batteries lasting. You know, people say to me, well, what about the battery? How long is the battery going to last? We're seeing hybrid batteries last in 300,000 miles. Um, I, just, uh, I just did a little bit of research on Tesla batteries. Tesla Tesla claims their batteries are lasting 400,000 miles and even longer. So, you know, battery use is, you know, battery life is better than expected. The The downside of a Tesla is they, they've they been going through some electric motors more than they've been going through batteries. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it comes at my age, the battery is going to last longer than me. Uh, last time I was driving the, the, my big car, the Lexus, yep. I, checked the, I checked the fuel economy. Around town, I'm getting 11.9 miles per gallon. <laughs> in the front. 
but you know, what can I say? So it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, that's the way I'm leaning. Next year, we'll before that, I'm sure we'll talk. But I'll keep advising what I'm thinking about. You know? Yeah, no, no, it really is. You know, for a lot of people, and it might be. You know, I and I got, I got yelled at somewhere i called it the hybrid garage that you know if you had a two-car garage you might have a gasoline car in one one bay and an electric car in the other one and the electric car would do your day-to-day driving or maybe you know and i think a plug-in hybrid combines both of those together so but the electric car would do your day-to-day stuff on those times where you wanted to do the cross-country cross-country road trip that electric car might make it a lot more difficult, where all of a sudden now you have the gasoline car for that sort of when you want to do that or when you want to take the family out. So maybe you have a small electric car like a Chevy Bolt, which I question why GM is discontinuing that. And, uh, and you know, and then maybe a, maybe a midsize SUV to take the family and the dog on, you know, family vacation kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it'll be, you know, time will tell where it's going to go, but I think more and more people are thinking, Hybrid or plug-in hybrid might be the answer, and that idea of a plug-in hybrid, again, gives you that best of both worlds. I agree. And by the way, if you take a big trip, you rent a car. Thanks a lot for taking All right. All right. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. If you want to join us like Mike did, uh, 781-837-4900 is our number. Why don't we take another break? My name is John Paul. This is Car Doctor Program. If you want to join us, 781-837-4900. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program, 95.9 WATD. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marsh. It's Ram season right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Ram trucks, great customer service, and Quirk's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Quirk works for you. Visit QuirkChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Let's go right over to Paul from Somerville. Paul, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very well. Uh, got a quick question. I, I see something unusual on my, on my car that I've never seen before. I'm not, Actually, I'm out walking right now, and I'm looking at every other car. that I go by, and I don't see the same problem. I got have a 2018 Ford Explorer. Yeah. And the last two days... I'm noticing my front wheels 
don't they? They're aluminum wheels. Um, the back wheels are spotless because I do wash the car yeah. four or five times a month. And I don't see any other cars that have anything even similar that have aluminum wheels. Well, you haven't you any haven't idea? looked at you haven't you haven't looked at my car. Um, uh, the the disc brake pads on some cars just put out a fair amount of dust, and it's the composition of the pads. The other thing is, depending on the pad life of your car, how old the pads are, um, if they're still the original, maybe they're getting a little bit down, which they'll give off a little bit more dust that way. Um, my previous car, I actually put on ceramic brake pads because they tend to be a little bit softer. Also, they tend to keep the wheels a little bit cleaner. Uh, so when it comes time for brakes, but it really has to do with um, with the brake pads. That's where all the dust is coming from. You can also buy, I've seen some wheel cleaner that's supposed to repel dust. Um, you know, go to a go to an auto parts store or maybe even Walmart in the automotive section. And it says right on it, you know, helps repeal, helps, helps uh, uh, you know, eliminate brake dust. Um but that it's just brake dust. That's all it is, and you will see it. You will see it on a lot on cars, especially people that tend to be uh, a little bit heavy on the brake. Um, uh, you'll see it a little bit more often. But yeah, front wheels, front wheels, and brake dust pretty common. In fact, um, on some show cars, they'll actually put kind of a a cover over the brake system that keeps the wheels clean. Um, I don't like it because it causes the brakes to actually get a little bit hot. They don't cool, but it's all about brake dust. That's the reason. I, I don't have to be concerned about brake fluid or anything. That no, no, no. It's not, it's not brake fluid. If anything, you know, maybe your brake calipers are starting to stick a little bit, starting to hang up a little bit, and maybe that's maybe that's why you're getting a little bit more brake drag, which is burning up the brakes a little bit faster but you know what i would do if i had if i if i was bored and had nothing to do one day i would take the wheels off check the condition of the brake pads see how they look and just clean them up the best you can and just know that you know you're going to have to clean the front wheels a little bit more often yeah then they're not the original uh brakes the car's got sixty four thousand. okay the brakes were done at 55 i think okay maybe 50 um and it I, and it may, I, I just never it, saw it before. Yeah, yeah. It may just be the the characteristic of that brake pad. Again, you could, you know, just you know, soap and water. Go out there and wash them more often. I guess is about all you can do. Uh, well, uh, that's one of my projects today is clean the wheels up. There you go. All right. All right. Thanks, all right. Take John. care, Paul. And, uh, yep. Bye bye. Also, on the, on, on the Mitsubishi. Yeah. Um, from maintenance wise, how does that? Uh, I mean, that sound, it sounds like a really good car, but um, how does that stand up, do you know, uh, you know, long-term? Is, is the, the, uh, has the manufacturer got a good reputation for uh, owning the you know, reliability? Years ago, years ago a, uh, a guy I know who worked for Mitsubishi um, and then actually went to work for Toyota afterwards called Mitsubishi the Chevrolet of the Japanese cars. And I'm like, what, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, you know, average maintenance. You know, not great, not terrible, kind of in the middle. Since then, I think Mitsubishi now has, um, they share more stuff with, um, you know, the original Hyundai models that came to the United States were basically Mitsubishis. Uh, Hyundai was borrowing a lot from them. Um, now this latest uh, Mitsubishi is actually shares a lot with Nissan, with the new Nissan Rogue. So I think overall the quality is going to be pretty good. I've... 
in the in the time I've had this car, I've noticed no weird glitches in it, no electronic stuff in it. Um, I would probably, you know, from what I know of Mitsubishi products right now, I would probably put them, you know, middle of the pack, slightly higher. Um, uh, like I said, the biggest problem is, you know, how many Mitsubishi dealers do you see versus Toyota, Honda, Hyundai, Ford, Chevy dealers? You don't see as many. That's I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. All right. Take care, Paul. Right, thanks, yep. Bye-bye. Yep. Let's talk to another Michael, but this one from Bridgewater. Michael, good morning. Morning, John. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm well, John. How about yourself, sir? Um, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. I know. You didn't get the phone call today. Actually, I saw her. She was on one of, one of these uh, uh, shows in the morning that I ended up seeing on Saturday mornings, and it's an all-girls garage. And oh, yeah. She was on there, and they put a carburetor on a vehicle. I was thinking about that when you were talking. She was yeah, interesting. I mean, I mean, she, I mean sounds like, she sounds like a fascinating, you know, young woman, and, you know, she's... Um, I think she lives in she lives in Florida somewhere because she's got a she's got a Florida area code on her cell phone number and you know she you know we corresponded back and forth during the week and she I know she was at uh, she was at this was originally started to fund a project to rebuild a Jeep and uh, you know I don't know how she started I kind of want to know how why carburetors you know why just start making car you know rebuilding carburetors and um, you know she she her and one of her girlfriends I think took took the jeep you know took their jeeps in a small looked like a small motorhome out to daytona last weekend and on the way they had a they posted some pictures of um of a bunch of of, of a bunch of uh, carburetors they had rebuilt and they had to drop them off at the ups office on the way to to uh mail them back to their customers and when they came back from their four or five day weekend however long they were gone for i guess they had another like 20 carburetors to rebuild so they're they're the hottest thing in town right now. So yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I had to do with their dad and how I guess when they were first starting out, he said, "Listen, you know, this is a carburetor, and that was the genesis." But I don't want to say any more. Just you know, you yeah. when you speak to her, you know, you'll find out. Reason I'm calling. I know we're getting up to the time here. Can you electrify seats in a car that are just manual? You know, you have to pump them and hold them and and all that. Is it possible to do that? Is it a, is it in your experience at all a good idea to do that? And, and what are we talking for cost? I was going to email you if it's if it's something I'll I'll do a follow up email. But if it's not, then I won't take any more of you. So time. you want to you want to take a manual seat and turn it into a power seat? Yes, thank you. That's a better way of saying it. Yes, a power. Um. With enough time, talent, and money, yeah, you uh, yes, can. Yes, I, I yeah. <laughs> you said before. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what you could do. You know the cars are usually kind of pre-wired for power seats. So if you have a sort of normal car, um, you know, as long as it's not the you know, you know, cheapest model car available, you could probably get a power seat out of a. You know, we'll we'll use my wife's 2015 Volkswagen for an example. It's got manual mm-hmm. seats. You could probably go and find a 2015 or newer because they were all the same um, Volkswagen power seat and install it in the same place the manual seat was. You know, try to get the same interior and all of that. And chances are the car is pre-wired for that. It just doesn't have the relays in place. You know, but the wiring is probably already there. So you could probably do it, but by the time you're done, it's going to be pretty expensive. 
Yeah, and this this actually had to do with uh, there's a model car that she's interested in, and it doesn't have the electric on the passenger, and you know you, ah. you can't. So now we're talking taking a new car, take that seat, make it a power seat, and put yeah. it back in the vehicle. Yeah, so, yeah, that no. that is fairly common. Um, a lot of times in a lot of the cars that I road test, um, the driver's seat's power, but the passenger seat's manual. And or else it might be power, but it's very limited. You know, maybe it's just power back and forth. Um, lately, the last two Hyundai and Kia models I drove, the very top scale, very top trim level had power both passenger and driver seats, and that's almost kind of unusual. You don't you don't see that very often. You know, Mercedes and Lexus and stuff like that. You do, but even some of the other premium cars, you see them as they have they have power driver seats but they don't have they have manual passenger seats but on the uh, on the last couple Hyundai's and Kia's I drove because they were the the upscale model both the uh, both the uh, passenger seats had uh, power so yeah, okay. I, don't, I, I yeah. know what that means. I'm just going to say, so when the dealer said, all right, we can get that done, they're just giving you the line. All right, John, listen, thank you. All right. Speak yeah. to you. Happy, happy Mother's Day to you, all that and stuff. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, take care. Bye-bye. Uh, next week, next week we're going to be talking to Gunther Berman, uh, who who has the uh, Newport Car Museum. We'll be talking to him. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye.